you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 40 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now, let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you so much for your prayers for me and my family and my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall. Please, please keep them coming. Well, in episode 40, we're looking at the theme of conspiracy and tracing that idea from Genesis to Revelation the anti-Nicene era to modern times. We'll also look at how we as 21st century human beings have been conditioned to dismiss conspiracies outright. This is definitely a show you don't want to miss, but the media would love for you to scoff at. Before we get into the rest of the show notes, I want to give you an update on my project, my EP called The Shadows EP. Originally, I said if you contributed $20 or more, you would get a five-song demo in addition to the seven-song EP, but that's changed for the better. If you contributed 20 bucks or more to that uh, GoFundMe campaign, then you're actually going to get a nine, it's either nine or 10-song demo in addition to the seven-song EP. So I just wanted to do that as a thank you to y'all for being patient with the project and the project is all but done. It, uh, praise God. Thank you so much for your prayers. As I sit here on the 6th of January recording this podcast, six of the seven songs have been mastered and mixed and mastered. And so, uh, we will just be putting them to press here very shortly. So thank y'all so much for that. Uh, I'll be sending you an email if you contributed uh, via the GoFundMe site just to get your address so I can send those discs to you when they're ready to go. So be uh, be on the lookout for that. Also, I want to give y'all just a little taste of another of those seven songs off the EP. This song is called Love You Forever. It's a song that I wrote for my two children that my wife Stephanie and I adopted back in 2014. So yeah, just uh, sit tight and listen to Love You Forever. Those days are over. 
All right, so that was Love You Forever, one of the songs off my upcoming seven-song EP called The Shadows EP. I hope you'll uh, check it out. When it's ready for purchase, you can find a link to it on my website, philsbaker.com. Phil, S as in Scott, baker.com. Please check that out. I also want to let y'all know about a podcast that I really love. It's called The Faithful Podcast by Stephanie Baker, my wife, where she interviews people about how they've stayed faithful through trying and testing situations. So you definitely want to check that out. It's an awesome, awesome podcast. You can find at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or faithfulpodcast on iTunes. Uh, I wrote a book in 2016 called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, and I've been recording audio versions of that book on my podcast, Reclaiming the Faith, here. And you can check that out on uh, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com or on iTunes, uh, Reclaiming the Faith. Also, you can contact me at Phil, sorry, email Phil S. Baker, email Phil S. Baker at gmail.com. And I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And if you have questions about anything we talk about here on Reclaiming the Faith or Omega Frequency or Justin Fall on Fourth Watch Radio Network, we would be more than happy for you to send in questions to either me or BDK, and uh, we will answer them for you on those shows that happen about once a month. Finally, the anti-Nicene quotes that I use can generally be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and you can purchase your copy for a mere $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. So please go check it out. All right, well, let's get episode 40 rolling. Using the Freedom of Information Act, in 1976, the New York Times uncovered a 1967 dispatch by the CIA to the U.S. media detailing how the term conspiracy theory was promoted by the CIA as a means of undercutting critics of the Warren Commission's report that President Kennedy was killed by Oswald. The use of this term conspiracy theory was heavily promoted in the media by the CIA. And here are some of the talking points that the CIA dispatch recommended to the media. First, they were to claim that it would be impossible for so many people to keep quiet about such a big conspiracy. Next, they were to have people friendly to the CIA attack the claims and point back to the, quote, official reports. They're to claim that eyewitness testimony is unreliable, or claim that this is all old news as, quote, no significant new evidence has emerged. Then they were to ignore conspiracy claims unless discussion about them is already too active. Next, they're to claim that it's irresponsible to speculate. Next, they were to accuse theorists of being wedded to and infatuated with their theories. Also, they were to accuse theorists of being politically motivated. And finally, they were to accuse the theorists of having financial interests 
in promoting conspiracy theories. So what is a conspiracy? By definition, a conspiracy is a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful, or the action of plotting or conspiring. So how did the early Christians view the issue of conspiracy? Well, this is Justin Martyr around the year 160, and he writes this, We have thought it right and relevant to mention how the spirit of prophecy exhorts men to live, and how he foretold the conspiracy, which was formed against Christ by Herod, the king of the Jews, and the Jews themselves, and Pilate, who was your governor among them with his soldiers, and how he should be believed on by men of every race, and how God calls him his son and has declared that he will subdue all his enemies under him, and how the devils, as much as they can, strive to escape the power of God the Father and the Lord of all, and the power of Christ himself, and how God calls all to repentance before the day of judgment comes. You know, perhaps the early Christians felt so matter-of-fact talking about conspiracies because the theme of conspiracies runs throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And I'd like to start just looking at passages in the Bible that view conspiracy. And by the way, there are way more than I'm going to give you here today. But let's start at one of the first scenes in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 3. And remember as we read this that by definition, a conspiracy is a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees in the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable desirable to make one wise, she took from it and ate its fruit. And she also gave fruit to her husband with her, and he ate. Mm. Adam, Eve, and the devil conspiring together to rid themselves of their need for God. Wow. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2 is quite a prophetic psalm. Psalm 2 in general is a prophetic psalm, but listen to the opening verses of Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising, plotting a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. This is really a picture of the timeline of human, of human history. 
the people's plotting together against God. And it's a picture of what will happen at the end of times as well as the kings of the earth, as we will see, plot together to make war on God. This is the theme of history. And let's jump forward and let's look at Daniel chapter 6. It says, It pleased King Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find any charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. And then the, man, the men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions or prays to any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign it in writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. And therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. <laughs> all, all of those leading men plotted and schemed together, conspired against Daniel. And that story in Daniel is such a powerful picture of what would happen to Jesus. And it happened many times to Jesus that he was conspired against. Let's look at some of those. This is Matthew chapter 12, verses 19 through 14. This is right after Jesus has declared himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And it says, Departing from there, he went into their synagogue and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. Let's look at John chapter 11 as Jesus' life is on earth is coming to a close, it's 
coming to a climax in the book of John. John chapter 11, this is right after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And it says, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in Jesus. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told the things which Jesus had done. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. So, from that day on, they planned together to kill him. And they did. But Jesus didn't stay dead. No, he, on the third day, he rose again. And there's an awesome scene I'd encourage you to read in Matthew 28. In the beginning, where the angel is sitting on the stone, <laughs> Roman soldiers amazed. Now, in Matthew 28, verse 11 through 15, it talks about what happened with those Roman soldiers after the resurrection. It says this, While they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is still spread to this day. Well, you can see evidences of conspiracy in the book of Acts, and I'd encourage you to read through that book and see those for yourself. But for time's sake, we're going to jump forward to Revelation chapter 17, toward the end of the book, toward the end of the tribulation period. And this is what it says, verse 1 of chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying, Come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of of her immorality. And on the forehead was a name written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, 
I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must reign a little while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour, and these have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those who are with him are the called, the chosen, and the faithful." You know, the CIA believed that the truth was bad for the country. The Bible shows that the leaders of the people of God have a tendency to believe that the truth is bad for the people of God. Well, let's look at this issue of the nations believing truth is bad for the empire and the nations conspiring against the Christians because of it. This is Tertullian around the year 200. He says in an apology to the empire, We are charged with being irreligious toward the Caesars, since we neither worship their images nor swear by their genius. At all events, you conspire against us. Yet, no conspiracy has ever broken out from our body, no Caesar's blood has ever fixed a stain upon us in the Senate or even in the palace. No assumption of the purple has ever in any of the provinces been affected by us. Though conspiracies are formed against Christians, we are not to conspire against others. So as we've seen, the nations conspire against the truth of God. The leaders of the people of God often conspire against the truth of God. And so let's think about some questions now. Why are people so resistant to the truth coming out? Well, the Bible speaks directly to that issue. John does in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. He writes, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, yet men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. 
For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Why are people resistant to the truth? Because the truth points out that we have done evil and we don't want to be exposed. So how do the people of God who love darkness often respond to the truth? Well, Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And it's interesting that word suppress is it's like a word picture of putting someone in handcuffs exactly What they did to Jesus, they bound him in chains in the garden. They suppressed the embodiment of truth himself. That's what we try to do, but you can't bind the truth forever. Even if you try to crucify the truth, the truth rises from the dead. In 2016, A woman filed a lawsuit claiming that the pastor of Orlando Baptist Church paid her to keep quiet about the affair that she was having with him. This woman says that she sought pastoral counsel with associate pastors, but once they learned that the the person in the affair was the pastor, the church said they had a religious duty to protect the pastor, the church, and the community by keeping the affair quiet and silently repenting and praying. Conspiracy naturally leads to a suppression of the truth. But is the truth bad for the church? Well, Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, if You continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, what do we do from here? Well, Peter knew the truth would set people free. And so, even though it must have been terrifying for him in the book of Acts, he spoke the truth to those who had conspired against Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, by the power of God, by the name of Jesus, he had just healed a crippled man at the gate called Beautiful. And it says, while the man was still clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at us? As if by our own power or piety, we had made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, 
It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him, you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Repentance is a blessing Coming into the light is a blessing. The truth is a blessing. So may we not conspire against those who bring truth to our face. May we see them as a blessing and not conspire against them. And may we repent and return that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Plotting evil in their beds Evil makes a home with those who trust her Heaven knows the motives of our plans And heaven won't gaze long upon injustice Oh, you turn, God.
hard sometimes 